but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hello everybody, welcome back to the Body Serve. I am Jonathan. And I'm James. This is our Wimbledon 2022 preview. We are recording from a special location, from a remote yes. location. <laughs> we're uh, on location in Rochester, New York. Uh, we're visiting my family, and so our recording setup is quite different than usual. If Now, if you guys tell us the sound actually sounds better, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> I'm thrown for a loop because I'm sitting to your left, and you're usually sitting to my left. Fascinating. <laughs> How do I look from this angle? Uh, no comment. <laughs> we will begin with the news that shook the tennis world in the last week and a half or two weeks. Yes, by now it's old news, but try to transport yourself to that time when it was almost certain that Serena wasn't playing Wimbledon when many of her fans assumed that she was already retired. I mean, that's a question that we got a lot. Do you think we'll see Serena again? Do you think she'll play tennis again? Is she retired? And for almost a full 12 months, we didn't have the answer to that. And the longer it dragged on, the more likely it looked like this was it. Yeah, but my answer with Serena is always, I don't know. Mm -hmm. She's the most unpredictable of champions. Uh, this came out of nowhere. I'm sure she made the decision a while ago, as as she says. She says before the French not, Open. Not weeks. <laughs> months. Even, two, perhaps two months even. If you've missed Serena Williams <laughs> over the last 12 months, and if you've enjoyed her press conferences in the past, then her Wimbledon press conference before the tournament was... A master class in what we've come to expect from Serena. <laughs> so Serena posts on her socials that she is returning to Wimbledon. She's going to play at Wimbledon. Now, she didn't say what she was going to play. Mm -hmm. It could have been doubles. It could yeah. have been singles. Everybody assumed that, oh, okay, she's coming back, back to play the singles draw. But then in that photograph on Instagram... Eastbourne is tagged as well. Right. So shortly after, we get the big announcement that her real return is going to be playing doubles with Ons Jabour at Eastbourne. Her first return. Yes. And that, yes, Wimbledon confirmed she will be receiving a singles wildcard. The doubles thing freaked me out. That's That was super exciting. because Okay, that's a good clarification because <laughs> freaked out could mean a few different things. Hans has been a, a fave of, of this podcast for a good while now. She's consistently one of the best players on grass over the past few years. And uh, there's just, you know, there's something special about her game that sets her apart from a lot of other players. I have no idea if Serena pays attention to the tour. I kind of think probably not. But who, maybe she passed Hans in the hall one time and she was nice to her. And, and she was like, oh, I remember her. I want to play with her. So this happened already. The Eastbourne tournament just wrapped today. Serena and Ons made the semifinals before 
Ons withdrew from the tournament citing injury. Now, before we get into how they actually played, I think a lot of folks had a good laugh about this. Wow, people are so cynical. (laughs) Well, because the fans, the army was saying, Serena, she got two good matches, two wins. She's going to pull out. Wait for it. Mm -hmm. And then later that day, Jabour pulled out with injury. I feel more likely it was a joint decision because (laughs) Ons was doing Serena solid here. Yes, because... She didn't plan... She wasn't playing singles. No, because by the time the announcement came out, Serena was actually already in London Mm. practicing. (laughs) So the plans were well underway. Do you think they did rock, paper, scissors as to who would bite the bullet for this one? I'm, I am not that cynical. Did, uh, I'll just choose to believe what I was told. Did Serena offer a few NFTs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All joking and kidding aside, this was so much fun, watching these two play doubles. It really was. They seemed to enjoy each other on court. Serena got a chance to just... You know, get her feet on some grass. Her ground strokes, especially the forehand, looked really good. And in that first match, they're clearly they're not a team that's played together before. Serena hasn't played doubles aside from mixed with Annie Murray in many years. And of course, they're both gonna kind of play their singles game on the same court together. Like when was the last time when she played with Wojniacki in Auckland? When was that? 2018 2019 yeah oh yeah i don't know and the last time she played in a major was with venus a long time ago so they you know weren't uh, the most cohesive team on that first day but they still seemed like they were communicating they were having fun they got blitzed in that first set but oh yeah into the second they started to gel more as a team they both started to play better serena was absolutely the better player that day (laughs) <laughs> which i i mean is not surprising considering who she is but she's been gone for a year everyone assumed she was in bad shape and who knows if she was even coming back we don't know how much she's been training but like nobody hits the ball like serena nobody spare a thought for uns because it is not an easy task to be the one chosen to usher serena williams back into tennis <laughs> And then have the expectation of all her fans that you should be perfect in your play. Oh, yeah. That you need to be doing the most all the time, running down every ball, making every volley, making sure that you are not the one that causes the loss in this match. Yes, because you've seen what happens to mixed doubles partners who don't live up to their end. Rhymes with... Even in exhibitions. Ranks with Lank Miafo. <laughs> yes. Poor guy. But Anz is no joke, right? She just won Berlin. She's great on the surface. She's one of the best players in the world. She was a great choice. A great choice for a partner. And you really got the feeling that, wow, they could be a great doubles team if they played consistently together. Mm-hmm. I doubt that will happen. No, it won't. Mm -hmm. By the second match, Serena looked amazing. The serve? Yes. It was just jaw-dropping, the spots that Serena was able to hit on her serve. When she was down 15-40 at one point, she served three aces to close out the game. 
Other times when she was in trouble on her serve, if not for aces, unreturnables. The pace on the serve wasn't, you know, Serena of old. We were told on air that those three aces that she hit in a row, none of them topped 110. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still not nothing. But also, right? in doubles, you don't have to do that, right? right? Yeah. Rhythm is more important for her right now, and placement. I'm just saying, given that the rhythm and placement appeared to be there in Eastbourne, the power should follow. I mean, th- mm-hmm. this was one of the more encouraging signs for her this week, yes. I think. Thank you, Miss Oracine, <laughs> for that serve. So they head on to Wimbledon now. We'll get more into each player when we look at the draws and what we can maybe expect from them at this tournament. Because that's one of the big questions, right? What what right. can we reasonably expect from Serena at this tournament? She's already given her answer. Of course. And she indicated that it was a silly question because it's also a trap question. Because what is she supposed to say? She said, come on now. You already know the answer. Yeah. And she was actually asked more than once. I just want to say before we move on, this was such a great showcase for Anz Jabour to to get a little shine and a little bit of attention because of her association with Serena. It's great for the women's game in general because nobody is generating headlines like Serena, right? Nobody electrifies tennis Twitter and the mainstream press, at least kind of in the Anglo-American sphere, like Serena Williams. It's fun for me as a fan to see Anz get some shine from Serena and all these new fans get to see the magic that she can produce on a tennis court. I mean, at times it was like, you know, she would absolutely catch a grenade for Serena on that court. (laughs) And if you're hitting shots where Serena's like, you know, her jaws on the floor, well, just write that down in your diary because that's one of the best days ever. Hitting shots where you're watching and like, that had to have been a mishit. There's no way that could have been intentional. But it was, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, uh, if you if we're doing highs and lows, this would be the high of the last week in tennis for us. Yes. Serena did her pre-tournament press today, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, Serena is often more interesting for what she doesn't say in press. And there was a lot that she did not say in this press conference. <laughs> yes, but it was still very entertaining answers and facial expressions. Mm-hmm. She said that she was never retired, like that was never her intention to retire, but she needed time away. The hamstring industry... The industry? Injury. (laughs) The the hamstring injury takes a long time to recover, and mentally, she said she just wanted time away. So Mm -hmm. she was doing her business stuff. Apparently, she was part of an investment group that tried to buy Chelsea Football Club. That fell through. She was asked, you know, do you have any other further plans to purchase... One of our great storied franchises in England. And, and she said, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an investor. I'm an investor, darling. She's not interested in that question at all. <laughs> she was also asked, when will we see you next? After mm-hmm. No, I think it had to do with, will we see you again next year? Is this your final Wimbledon? And she said, who knows where I'll pop up next? You just got to be ready. She seemed so nonplussed by the whole occasion. Mm-hmm. She was also asked about Rafa Nadal and his year. And, I mean, we know that Serena is a, a Rafa fan. Mm-hmm. So, she, you know, she gave the prerequisite, you know, I'm happy for him. He's an inspiration to me going forward, etc. Blah, blah, blah. 
this now serving as a segue, a transition into an update on Mr. Pereira. Yes, speaking of Rafa, uh, this is just really enjoyable for me because several people told me on Twitter there is it's an absolute certainty that he will not be at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. How do no, you feel? It's also now do a little you, bit. Does anyone want to raise their hand and say you were wrong? The I guess the uh, I forgot what the procedure was called, but the ablation has worked. He played a golf tournament shortly after it in Mallorca. We were told that if it worked, he'd be able to practice within a couple of days. And Uncle Tony told us, us being the world, that it seemed to have gone well. Yeah. He got a few matches in in Hurlingham. Which is a pre-Wimbledon exhibition. Right. Not only will he have the opportunity to chase the calendar year Grand Slam, but because of the absences of some players due to the Wimbledon ban, Nadal is going to be the number two seed. Yeah, he... so he... <laughs> Well, it hasn't really resulted in a more favorable draw. The only thing is that he won't meet Novak early. Mm-hmm. But in basically every other way, it's a, an extremely difficult draw, which we'll get into. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I will just say that the last two times he's played here, he's made the semifinals. I think there's yes. a misconception that at this point in his career, Rafa is infirm on grass. Well, he was actually very close to beating Novak in 2019, although there was some uh, roof trickery going on. Mm -hmm. And if he's feeling himself like he has been this year, the desire is still there. So Mm -hmm. um, I'd be entirely stupid to discount him at this point. (laughs) Right. You recall how difficult the French Open draw was. Yes. How difficult the Australian Open draw was. Like other Wimbledon news, Coco Gauff some time ago teased that she was going to be teaming up with some special opponent. No, I guess that wouldn't be an opponent. Well, maybe an opponent. She was going to be teaming up with some special person at Mixed Doubles at Wimbledon. Yeah, and Jack Sock threw his his name in the ring and he uh, was for consideration. summarily swatted away like a mosquito <laughs> by people on tennis Twitter. I mean, I thought at that point this was already decided and he was just being... Too much, right? Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, it is Jack Shoot. Yeah. And uh, Tennis Twitter said no, but Coco said, I want to win a major. And he's good. I suppose there's that. He is. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, he's very good at doubles. <laughs> a couple more etc. things before we get into the draw and the winners of the last couple weeks on grass. Your favorite topic in tennis, doping. Mm-hmm. Tara Moore was... Uh, clocked for doping she tested positive uh, a few months ago she was a world number 83 at the time testing positive for nandrolone and boldenone tara i get her confused with the other woman who is very active on tennis twitter ellen perez yes so i i can never keep the two straight but she said she's never knowingly taken a banned substance which of course that's you kind of have to say that you know or else the case is done and she will be investigating how this got into her system. Boltanone, you may remember, is the steroid that was found in Robert Farah's beef. And he beat the allegations. It was found that there was actually Boltanone in Colombian beef. And he got his ban overturned. Now, Nandrolone is a little more complicated. Uh, Nandrolone is it's a common anabolic steroid that people take in track and field in a bunch of different sports. And it does what anabolic steroids do, right? It can 
promote lean muscle mass, stimulate recovery, speeding, healing, all the things that you want a steroid to do. So there's obvious benefits. There are obvious reasons why an athlete would take this. However, there's always something, you know, so just, what... just Google Nandrolone and, <laughs> and enjoy. Recently, last year, an American long distance runner, sorry, middle distance runner named Shelby Houlihan tested positive for Nandrolone and blamed a burrito. Is this the Robert Farah beef contamination defense? It's funny because I read a, an entire article about this and they mentioned other players who blamed food on testing positive for steroids and Robert never came up. Oh. Tennis needs to up its profile in this area. Do they now? <laughs> so Shelby, not only was it a burrito, it was a burrito that she ate in Mexico at a stand that serves pork offal. I feel like that's racist. And do you know what offal is? It's like it's like organ meat. Mm. Apparently pigs especially uncastrated male pigs. You did the digging you wanted here. To know, can sometimes have high levels of nandrolone in their body. And it has been known to happen, or it's suspected to have happened, that it, that can be passed to humans. Unfortunately, for Shelby Houlihan, the Court of Arbitration for Sport uh, rejected her appeal. And she's currently on a four-year ban. Mm. So I'm not saying that that's going to be Tara Moore's defense, I'm just saying that there are defenses out there of varying degrees of success. All right. So watch this space. <laughs> Following up on Wimbledon's ban of Russian and Belarusian players from this upcoming tournament, we found out just recently that the U.S. Open will allow Russian and Belarusian players following the lead of the WTA and ATP with the one caveat of them having to play under a neutral flag. Right, which is not surprising. I, they were playing under a neutral flag at the Olympics for a totally different reason. Mm -hmm. But there, I imagine there is just less governmental meddling uh, in the U.S. versus the U.K. in their major sporting events. Uh, one more player update from and about the U.S. Open. Novak Djokovic was asked today whether he will be taking the vaccine in order to play the U.S. Open, because as of right now, he won't be able to enter the U.S., mm -hmm. but that he still has time to take the vaccine and have that all sorted <laughs> before flushing. And his one-word response, can you guess what it was? I'm thinking of that Britney Spears gif from when she was on X Factor. No. I'm thinking of Jesse J. <laughs> <laughs> that riff on uh, No. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing it was a negative response. Mm -hmm. No. But there's a whole litany of online lawyers and attorneys who are ready to take up this case for Novak. They're volunteering. Have you seen them? Uh, people are trying to point out loopholes of entry into the U.S., saying you can fly to Canada, which I guess he could right now, right? They've, we've changed rules. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to be vaccinated to enter Canada anymore. You can fly to Canada and then cross by land. Same with Mexico. Now, <laughs> that kind of defeats the evasion purpose when you show up as a high-profile player yeah. in New York, having taken the Amtrak and the Greyhound <laughs> across the country. And you're like, hey, here I am. Like, he will be deported again if that happens. Yes. So can we please avoid another deportation drama? If he doesn't get vaccinated, that's his decision. But, like, please... Let's not do this again. With all that preamble out of the way, we can make our way 
to the draws, like we did with our French Open preview episode, we're not going to go through individual lead-up tournaments and tell you who won, who played well. We're going to talk about the draws as they exist and then highlight the players who have been playing well. It's way more efficient for us. Mm -hmm. The women's tournament, we come in with a extremely dominant number one player. She's just won six tournaments in a row. However, what is the read on Iga's chances on grass, right? She's reached the fourth round at Wimbledon before, but this is probably the surface where, well, she's had the least experience and there's obviously a big question mark. For how dominant she's been on tour, on clay, on hard court, even, Iga comes in as kind of a question mark at this tournament, which is kind of weird to say for such a dominant world number one. She is not the defending champion. That would have been Ash Barty, who is now retired. Who is now retired. And so one of the lingering questions with that happening earlier this year was, who is going to open play on the women's side this year? Simona won in in 2019. There was no Wimbledon in 2020. She was injured for 2021, so she couldn't open play. And then Ash won in 2021. And she's retired, so she can't open play this year. Ash was kind of doing this behind-the-scenes campaign thing to get Simona to be the one to open play in her stead this year. That will not be the case. <laughs> They've chosen dominant world number one, Iga Sriantek. Right, which is fine. You know, in the absence of the defending champ, pick the number one player. I kind of thought that Simona should be able to do it. I agree. You know, having been a defending champion who wasn't able to have that ceremonial opening play on center court thing. I didn't think there would have been anything objectionable about it. At the end of the day, it's also not the end of the world. No, because it really is just a, a ceremonial thing. Mm -hmm. But it, it would have been a nice honor. But maybe Simona didn't really care about it. Who knows? It doesn't rise to the level of Maria Sharapova bringing out Serena's Daphne trophy. At the Australian Open. <laughs> in 20... Was that 2018? At the draw ceremony? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't rise to that level. <laughs> that was poser behavior. Iga opens against Yana, Yana Fett. Careful now. Isn't... Yana Fett... Wasn't that... Almost... The person who took Wozniacki... In round two at the Australian Open, 2018. Yeah, like the year she won, right? Mm -hmm. Almost beat her. It, this is going to be a tournament on the women's side where... And I suppose you could make the case it's been this way for a while. If somebody plays well, it won't be a surprise. If somebody doesn't play well, it also will not be a surprise for any number of reasons. Should we be surprised if Iga Sviantek wins this tournament or makes a second week or plays extremely well? No. I mean, she's a player of an extremely high caliber. Would we be surprised if she loses in the first or second round? On a surface like grass where she has yet to conquer or be as accomplished. Even though she is a Wimbledon junior champion. Mm -hmm. With this draw, I would be surprised, yes. Okay. Her third round opponent could be Putintseva. Or Cornet. Oh, or Cornet, yeah. So Cornet was just a semifinalist this week at Eastbourne. We could see her in a third round again. In the next section down, we've got Jill Teichman, who really excels more on clay and hardcourt, who opens against Tom Milanovic. Barbora Krejcikova is a big question mark, of course, as the number 13 seed, who not long ago was the number 2 seed at slams. 
she hasn't played since the French Open, mm-hmm. where she lost in the first round, was subsequently diagnosed with COVID. Bob's your uncle, as far as what's going to happen right. here. And then going down further, there's Garbine Muguruza, again, like a former champion who is just not in good form at all. In her little section, she opens against Greet Menon, and then two players who are want to wreak havoc, Sloane Stevens and Zhang Qinwen. That would be a great first round match. Right. So the winner of that match plays potentially Muguruza if she manages to win a round. Right. And Bianca Andreescu is an extremely dangerous floater here. Unseated at this tournament. She would face the winner of Rabakina Vandaway in the second round. Now, Bianca was just the runner-up in Bad Hamburg, losing to Carolyn Garcia in three sets. To me, Bianca is the one to watch to come out of this whole section. She could set up a very, very tough fourth round match against Jesse Pagula, but I could really see Bianca being the quarterfinalist against Iga. And you know, I mean, Bianca's the kind of player who would relish that moment and would love to be the one to knock out this player on a streak. Okay. Could just as easily have somebody like Tomljanovic <laughs> or, dare I say, Andrea Petkovic. Mm-hmm. Tomljanovic was a part of a famous match last year that feud with Ostapenko where she accused her of faking an injury, basically. Ostapenko got her revenge a few weeks ago. But she was, a, what, a fourth rounder or a quarterfinalist last year at Wimbledon? In these draws, we also have players who historically have played well on grass. They've developed a, a reputation of being, if not a grass court specialist, a player for whom grass is absolutely their favorite surface. One of those players is Donna Vekic. Mm-hmm. Now, that has not historically translated into great success at Wimbledon for her. But if you are to adhere to that narrative, then she's somebody who could have a big tournament here. Her previous best result at Wimbledon being the fourth round in 2018. The only time she's made the fourth round at Wimbledon. And Donna actually won Nottingham in 2017, uh, beating Joanna Conta. And you know, that stretch for a while was the Conta Slam. Those British grass court lead-up tournaments. (laughs) That was her playground. In the second quarter, that's headlined by Paula Badosa. That's also where Petra Kvitova, this week's titleist in Eastbourne, resides. There is Camila Georgi, who is the 21 seed. Simona Halep, Coco Goff, Amanda Nisimova, Karolina Pliskova, and of course, Serena Williams. Yes, Now, because of this quarter, I feel that the women's draw is extremely lopsided. That Serena has gotten a really, really tough road, but you can make the argument that Pliskova, Kvitova, anyone in this quarter has gotten a tough road. She was asked in press whether she preferred to have a tough opening round, say she were were drawn to play Sviantek in the first round, or is she happy with a, a more easy match as she's allegedly been given with Harmony Tan. And her response was, you know, every match can be hard. Like, also, it could be tough for them to draw me. (laughs) Right, right. Now, the number four seed 
is not an afterthought, but is a very weak four seed, in my opinion, in this quarter. I don't think Badosa comes in with a lot of steam. She could face Petra Kvitova in the third round. Kvitova has done very little all year, until now. She's done very little (laughs) at Wimbledon since 2014. Mm -hmm. There was a time when, whenever Petra showed up at Wimbledon, she was a big favorite. Right. Regardless of her form. She's come into this tournament now, finally, with some form. But her results at Wimbledon over the last eight years have not been good. Mm. So she comes in having just won Eastbourne today, beating Elena Ostapenko. And Ostapenko is another one who's become this excellent grass court player who is a real threat to go deep anytime she steps on a grass court. Kvitova had lost to Beatriz Haddad-Maya in the previous week in Birmingham, but this is a really good time to start peaking again. Yeah, Petra's made one fourth round since 2014 at Wimbledon. Wow. Which completely shocked me when I saw that. It's shocking because of the dominant way that she won her second Wimbledon title. So the nitty-gritty of this section. Badosa opens against Luisa Chirico, Kvitova against Paulini. Those two would meet Badosa and Kvitova by seed in the third round. Simona Halep. She has the worst first round of all. She sure does. She opens against Karolina Mukhova, who is a two-time quarterfinalist at Wimbledon, who has struggled mightily with injuries over the past two years. But honestly, nobody, not even the number one seed wants to draw Mukhova, especially at Wimbledon. An immense talent. If Halep gets through that... Third round, potentially against Georgie. That's the minefield there for her. And then if she's able to make it to the quarterfinals, that's where any of Coco Goff, Amanda Nisimova, Karolina Pliskova, or Serena Williams is likely to be waiting for her. Right. And Simona is only the 16th seed, but of course she was the 2019 winner. She pulled out of Bad Hamburg this past week with a blocked neck. I don't honestly know a lot about that. I don't. I feel, I feel like my neck is blocked right. right now. I don't think it's like one of those injuries that is indicative of something super duper serious. So I think it's something you can get over and then play the next week. And she also may have just been cautious because she wanted to play Wimbledon. Mm. Coco Goff against Amanda Inisimova in the third round. Delicious. I hope that happens. Anisimova... Uh, It seems like she is always kind of setting up these really exciting early round matches against young stars, beating uh, Naomi Osaka in Australia, right? Mm -hmm. And she's just somebody with so much star power that, I mean, I always look forward to these big matchups, like in the third round. But Coco is in great form, having been the runner-up at the French Open. A lot will be expected of her, of course. This is where it all started for her. Yes. And then in that final little section, as a wild card, Serena had to expect a very difficult draw. And she certainly got it. Sara Cerebos Tormo, someone she played in doubles last week, is the number 32 seed and would be her second round opponent if they both get there. And Karolina Pliskova would be her round three. The defending finalist from last year. Right. To then, if she gets through that play Coco Goff or Amanda Nisimova likely in the fourth round before maybe Simona Halep or Kvedova or, hell, Karolina Mukhova. 
Right. Or like the number four seed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. we're, like we're not even mentioning the top yeah. seed in that in that quarter. Pliskova, for one, has had such a weird past few weeks. I mean, past few months, I guess. But in Berlin, she loses the first set to Kanepi and then double bagels her. Great stuff. Right after losing that first set, she beats Andreescu in a very long three-set match, loses to Goff, not not a bad result at all, but then goes out to Katie Bolter in Eastbourne. Listen, this has been the story of the Wimbledon lead-up. So many British players have been playing well. Yeah, so... This, so many. These top players, though, are essentially proving that the British wildcards deserve their wildcards. It makes perfect sense. They grew up playing on these courts. Mm-hmm. The, so many of these players do not play on grass courts at all. Right. But back to Pliskova, she was quoted in press this week as saying that it's going to be difficult for Serena to come back and have a a really deep result here. Yeah. And some folks took that to be out of pocket and shady, but it's going to be very difficult for Serena Williams to come back and have a really good result here. And for Serena, the only acceptable result is winning the title. She said right, as much. Right. So getting to the third round and losing to Pliskova would be a totally reasonable result, but mm-hmm. it will be seen as a big disappointment. Right. But of course, Pliskova being the one who didn't entirely tow the Serena company line and, you know, just throw unmitigated plaudits at her feet when asked to talk about her is the one who maybe has to play her in this moment. Right, right. And Plishkova, Isn't that how it always goes? And I don't think that Pliskova is actually capable of platitudes. Like, I don't think she actually knows how. When she's asked a question, it is very straightforward, her mm-hmm. response. And it's that's not always for the best, but, you know, she's her. Like, you get what you get. Here is where we answer the question, what do you expect? What do you, James, expect for Serena Williams at this tournament? I don't know. I mean, I would like to see her play a singles match first before kind of making that prediction. What do you think is possible for Serena at this tournament? Oh, I think anything is possible. Mm. Okay. What I say here is, as viewers, as listeners, just sit back and and just enjoy this as much as you can. For me, at this point, this was such a surprise. Uh, A gift, almost. Mm -hmm. The past week watching the doubles was amazing. And so I hope to have as many of these Serena sightings where she's playing well as I can get my hands on and my eyes on going forward. Right. I will say, moving on to the bottom half here, I wish Serena had been drawn into the bottom half. Before we get into the bottom half, which is even more wide open, according to you, your expert analysis that <laughs> is to come, but do you have any idea, any crystal balling as to who will come out of this top half? Well, who are the favorites? I'm very, very anti-jinx. So I, I of course, want Serena com- to come out of the top half, but I'm not going to say that I think it's going to happen. Okay. Who are the main players in this top half? So based on current form, I would say Petra. However, you mentioned her record at Wimbledon over the past few years since she last won, and it certainly gives me pause. But 
can she beat anyone on the side? Yeah. The last time Simona played Wimbledon, it was some of the best tennis she's ever played in her life. We have not seen sustained ascension from Simona in her Maratoglu era thus far. Right. Uh, the era has been quite short, and she even said that she was quite close to making the retirement decision before getting together with Patrick and starting this this next phase, possibly final phase in her career. Mm-hmm. You have to look at Pliskova. Given her result last year, given that she's probably, at this point, the best player never to win a slam on the woman's side. Right. And obviously, you have to consider Iga one of the top favorites on either side of the draw. But I do I do think that Iga's streak ends here. You heard it here first, folks. A massive, massive, going out of his way <laughs> prediction here from <laughs> Mr. Rogers in his neighborhood right now. Literally. (laughs) On the bottom half, wow, what a moment. Gowns, beautiful gowns. No, that's a little unkind. There are definitely a lot of players in good form here, but this is certainly not as as jam-packed as that top half. I would say that Jabour, on paper, is one of the favorites to reach the final, but... We saw what just happened at Roland Garros. She was one of the favorites to win that tournament. Yeah, and lost in the first round. She's the number three seed here. Don't want to jump ahead too much, but she has a great shot to reach the final. I mentioned before that there are all these somewhat floaters who have a grass pedigree, who have won smaller grass tournaments in their career, who have a reputation of being, if not grass court specialists, players... Who love playing on grass. Right here, Alison Risk. Mm-hmm. That said, Alison Risk has made the second week of Wimbledon only once. She's made one quarterfinal at a slam in her career, and that was at Wimbledon in 2019. So, if history is anything to go by, yeah, that reputation and results are cute, but we should still draw the brakes at expecting something career-defining here. Yeah, and also she's lost in the first round the past two weeks in Eastbourne and Birmingham, but she was the runner-up in Nottingham. So this should be her bread and butter, this part of the season. And she did great to reach the final, ran into the Haddad Maya buzzsaw, but then the next two weeks are a little bit concerning, losing her first match. That said, she has a great chance to get to the quarterfinals here. Yes, because Daniel Collins, the number seven, would be Risk's third round. And Danielle is a huge question mark, and she's only ever reached the third round at Wimbledon. A huge opportunity for Emma Raducanu, who is going to face an almighty barrage of British press at this tournament. Yes. This is the first time since she's come on the scene that she'll be defending points of note. What did she make with the fourth round last year at Wimbledon? That's when we first heard of her. uh, pretty much out of nowhere. And then she ended up winning the U.S. Open. So this is the point in her career now where you've had a few months to get your feet wet. It hasn't been amazing, but now is where the point situation is going to be an issue. And she's not going to be able to defend any of these points. Even if, say, Emma has a second week of her life, you know, makes... The quarterfinals, semifinals, none of those points will count right. at this tournament. So not only will she be dealing with a just a mountain of press 
she opens against Van Oitvank, who recently won the ITF in Surbiton, who's a great player on the surface. In the next round, could face Caroline Garcia, who just won Bad Hamburg. Very good on grass, and is playing well again. Former anointed future number one by Andy Murray. Mm-hmm. Radakanu draws the lowest third round seed possible, the number 33, but that's Zhang Shuai, who just made the final in Birmingham. Angelique Kerber, this is your favorite. You've been talking Actually, about this at home for a long yeah. time. So for a few weeks, Kerber has been my pick to win this tournament, or at least one of the very top favorites. She was the winner in 18. She was a semifinalist here last year. And in the absence of any real favorite, I was like, well, I'm going, you know, all in for Angie. You've also got perennial third rounder Elisa Mertens, potentially against Kerber in the third round. And should Angie get to the fourth round... And should Ons Jabeur get to the fourth round, that will be one of the matches of the tournament on the women's side. Or I hope, you know, I hope this match happens. Kaya Kanepi is now a seeded player. So what kind of damage does she do? Will she be motivated <laughs> if she can't beat a seed in the first round? Diane Perry in the first round is her opponent. Then potentially Clara Towson and Mai Huntama in the second round. Doable, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And then, should she get through there, the opportunity to wreak havoc first arrives with the Tunisian world number three, Ons Jabeur. Yeah. But I think this uh, this third quarter is... It really could go anywhere. You know, I said before the tournament that Kerber was the favorite. Radicano, I don't despite her being the 10 seed i just don't see it for her here she's been struggling a lot with injuries and this is going to be really her first wimbledon with this amount of british tabloid coverage around her it's going to be a lot in the last quarter that's where maria sakari is that's where annette contivate is those are the two highest seeds there and contivate is one of the biggest question marks on the woman's side well, yeah, she had COVID recently, and she said she's been dealing with the after effects for quite a while, hasn't been able to train consistently. She is up to a career high ranking, despite having lost in the first round at Roland Garros. Uh, the expectations are zero, zero for her. She's never made the second week at Wimbledon. We don't even know if she will play at right, this tournament. Right. She may not play, which leaves a, a bit of an opening the other, you know, the player who's really on fire here is Beatriz Haddad Maya. So we should just take a second to talk about what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. She won Nottingham and Birmingham back to back. In Birmingham, she beat three of the top five seeds in that tournament, Kvitova, Georgie, and Halep, and then beat the number eight seed, Zhang, in the final. This is uh, 13 straight matches until Petra Kvitova stopped her in Eastbourne. She's the first. Brazilian since Maria Bueno to do like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so what you're saying is because Petra stopped her, Petra is the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it do- it does feel a bit like Beatriz came out of nowhere to have the streak, and not not just anybody has a 13 match streak on the main tour. Right? Those are difficult to achieve. Not everybody has those. <laughs> no. But it didn't come completely out of nowhere. Bia has had a pretty good year. She won the 125 in San Melo right before uh, the French Open. She's got a win over Sakari earlier in the year. She's been 
on tour for a long time. Yelena Ostapenko is also in this section of the draw, as is Belinda Bencic. Yeah, Bencic was a finalist in that first week of grass court events, losing uh, Berlin to Jabor. Bencic retired from that match, actually. So now Jabor goes from having no wins against Bencic to having two back-to-back. Belinda's going to be a threat if she's healthy, especially because the draw, I mean, the draw hasn't been kind with Haddad Maya as her third round, but otherwise, this fourth quarter is so wide open. But it does put Yelena Ostapenko in a very good position. Mm-hmm. Belinda is 25 now, but she's never made a quarterfinal at a slam outside of the U.S. Open. Her first year playing Grand Slam tennis, she made the quarterfinals. I believe that was 2014. And she's since made a semifinal, but never a quarterfinal at any of the other slams. Oh, wow. As you rightly said, health will be her biggest concern or the biggest impediment to her doing well at this tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh... About this fourth quarter, I don't really know what to say. I don't have a lot of predictions. I think that Ostapenko, out of everyone here, has the the best grass court history, aside from what Beatrice did these past few weeks. I don't it, I don't know if anybody is stopping her. You know, if she can continue that momentum into a slam in a way that she hasn't done before. Yeah, it's going to be wide open at this mm-hmm. tournament. Keep in mind, there's no Naomi Osaka. There is no Madison Keys who had to pull out of this tournament with an abdominal injury. There are a lot of players who aren't playing because of the ban. Of course. There's Zabalenka. uh, There's... uh, Alexandrova just won Rosemalen in that first week of the grass. She can't play, being from Russia. There's no Victoria Azarenka. There's no Kasatkina. Sasnovich. Leila Fernandez, who's not banned. She's just dealing with that stress fracture in her foot. There's no Kudermetova. Of course, Elena Svitolina is out for the foreseeable future, being pregnant at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's no Samsonova. There are a lot of players out on the women's side, not just because of the ban. And this has created an, an even more wide open landscape at this tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I feel we're going from Roland Garros, which was the most sure thing women's draw at a slam we've seen in years to this Wimbledon, which I feel is more unpredictable than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure thing in terms of the winner, yes. but not everything, not else, everything else at the French Open. But there had not been a heavy favorite like Iga in years. And now we're coming into Wimbledon and I am stumped. Men's draw. Good luck to those men. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we mentioned earlier that Rafa got a particularly difficult draw yes the draw is slightly more balanced i think than the women's well uh, on this top half the two top seeds are novak djokovic and kaspar rude rude as the number three seed is one of the weakest top four seeds in men's tennis in the last 20 years and not in general but at wimbledon he has never won a main draw match Mm -hmm. as the number three seed. He didn't even play a lead-up tournament. Right. Novak is the defending champ. He obviously will lose all 2,000 points from defending last year and will not be playing for points, but he is playing to get his year on track here. To get to number 21, to be one behind Nadal instead of two in the all-time slam tally count. And 
he has a really, really good shot. We just haven't really seen much of him. Mm-hmm. First round, he opens against Sun Wu Kwan. Second round, maybe Thanasi Kokinakis. Ketsmanovic in the third round, maybe Opelka in the fourth. And then either Yannick Sinner, John Isner, or Carlos Alcaraz in the quarterfinals. Yeah, but this is a this is a very comfy draw, <laughs> right? Carlos Alcaraz is uh, is kind of untested, unknown on grass. He reached the second round last year, but even at this time last year, you know, he was coming up, but he hadn't made his big breakthrough. Yannick Sinner, as the number 10 seed, is another one who has never reached the second round of Wimbledon. So this, you know, this quarter is kind of set up for Novak to get to the quarters easily. Mm-hmm. And as a number one seed, that's what you should expect. Like, that's why there are seeds. There is Andy Murray in this quarter. He opens against James Duckworth before maybe playing John Isner. Yeah, that's a little section that I'm interested in. Sinner opens against Borinka. And as I mentioned, Sinner's never won a match here. Stan is feeling himself for the first time in quite a long time. Okay, but he also historically has not done great at Wimbledon. No, We have Murray Duckworth in the first round. In the third, the people who are seated to get there is Sinner versus Isner. But that could be Sinner Andy, Isner Stan. You know, that's a guessing game. And I mean, John Isner can also just serve his way into the third round. There's a Harrison in the draw. Is there? Yes. Oh, I went right by him. The Christian, Christian. Harrison. Yeah. Qualified for this tournament. Oscar Atta is a seeded player now, number 32. Could play Carlos Alcaraz in the third round. In the second quarter, this is where uh, two of our big faves reside. And uh, either could realistically make the quarterfinals. They could each make the quarterfinals. In Francis Tiafo and Grigor Dimitrov. Okay, okay. For Francis, who stands in the way? Vavasori in the first round, second round, Martyr or Bedene, Pablo Carreño Busta in the third round, which is probably not going to happen because he has never made it to the third round at Wimbledon. He's never made it to the second round. In his long career. A long... A long career. (laughs) We've said that about three different players, all in the top half. And so if Francis gets through that match, that's where by seed he should play Kaspar Ruud. And uh, we've we've told you about that already. Who is to even know if Kaspar will get there? It could be Hugo Humbert. It could be David Goffin. It could be uh, Ramos Vignolas, Tero Daniel, Sebastian Baez. Like, this mm-hmm. is a wide-open little section for Francis Tiafo. Yeah, this is like the clay specialist section here, with Rude, Ramos, Excuse me, Pablo Baez. plays very well on hard courts. I'm not, I'm not talking about him. Rude, Ramos, Baez, and at this stage, you might even say that Golfin is, his best surface is clay. He's not a specialist, but this is where he plays best now. Mm-hmm. Also in this quarter, British number one, Cam Norrie. Potentially a third round against Grigor, Tommy Paul, and Urkacz. Urkacz, who's been playing well. Yeah, yeah. So he got a nice little bump in seeding because of some of the players who are not allowed to play. And he just beat Medvedev and Hala. So he comes in on a roll. 
And it's it's a nice little turnaround for a year because it seems like he's always kind of been there, but he's been missing a few of these big wins recently. He'll return to the site of him defeating Roger Federer last year. Unform, he is the one to play Novak in the semifinals. Yeah. Unform. In the bottom half, this is where a lot of the presumptive threats for the title reside. Yes, and I think it's this is a draw that was already difficult and over the past few days has gotten more difficult because of some of the players who excelled over the past week, who are like rounding into form, like Taylor Fritz and Tsitsipas. Okay. Matteo Berrettini, out with injury for so long, has come back to grass and is just eating the girls alive. <laughs> Wins his first tournament back, defeating Andy Murray in the final in Stuttgart, defends his title at Queen's Club, beating Krajinovic, and he's the odds-on favorite to make this semi. However, Tsitsipas, who everybody keeps telling us Tsitsipas is not that great on grass, just won the title in Mallorca, beating RBA. And for Tsitsipas having supposedly a not-so-great year, he's way up there in the race. He won Monte Carlo. He's not even playing his best tennis and is actually having a really good season. Okay, but is his best tennis going to come? Right. He's played Wimbledon. This will be his fifth time playing Wimbledon. His other four appearances, three first-round losses, and then a fourth round in 2018. So this is no guarantee. No, Despite no. what happened in Rafa's hometown. <laughs> right. I'm just saying uh, he's been getting a lot of criticism over the way he's been playing this year, but he's just nosed ahead of Alcaraz uh, for number two in the points race. And this is a, a good boost of confidence for him. Okay. I'm not saying that he's he's going to win or make the final. This is just, it's a, a some nice momentum at the right time. He can have it. I'm not trying to take it away from him. <laughs> there is Denis Shapovalov in this section as well, who has shown himself incapable of doing damn near anything in the last few months since beating Rafa. <laughs> wow. Wow. There's, uh, there's Jack Draper, semifinalist at Eastbourne who was also the last person to beat Taylor Fritz. He beat him in straight sets the week before Fritz won the title in Eastbourne. Um, Alex Diemenauer was the, the defending champ in Eastbourne, and he reached the semifinal again. He's somebody who can really play on the surface. Bautista Agu played well this week. He sure did. The runner-up in Mallorca. But still, still, I think all signs point to Berrettini, yeah, with the yeah. only question mark before the last few weeks being his health and coming back from injury, a long injury layoff, to come back and win two tournaments, that puts that to, to bed. Yeah, he seems to really have made the right choice because he did not rush the recovery at all, and he probably could have played the French physically, but not doing so seems to have helped him. Mm -hmm. So you didn't mention Nick Kyrgios. Oh, Which I, didn't? I think it's important that we mention him. Oh. Yes. Could be a third round opponent for Tsitsipas if he beats Krajinovic in the second round. Krajinovic was the runner up uh, in Queen's Club. Nick has been playing better of late. He has. And of course, like this is grass. This is going to be his best surface. He's reached the quarterfinal one time 
at Wimbledon. That's the year he beat Rafa when he was kind of an unknown commodity. He also just had to retire or withdraw in Mallorca. Yes. And Nick also became the first athlete to sign with Naomi Osaka's new agency. Mm. They did a, a press blitz and said that, you know, this is Nick is the exact kind of player that I want to partner with. He's electrifying. He's he's beyond tennis. And we have a lot of exciting things coming up. So stay tuned, which is fine. Like, okay, good. I'm wishing them luck is kind of my reaction because Uh, Nick is not a Nick is not like a serious full time tennis player. And that's, I guess, not what Naomi is looking for. She's looking for something different. But to say, oh, Naomi signed Nick. So therefore, he's going to have an amazing Wimbledon and he could really win. uh, We also have to look at the at the evidence. Who said that? You know, the fanboys. Mm. We have to look at the receipts. Well, let's look at Roberto Bautista Agut and his receipts. Okay. Because he, we may think of him as mostly a hardcourt player, where that's his best surface, but his best slam result came at the 2019 Wimbledon, where he made the semifinals. Nick is clearly best suited to the surface, but I just don't think you can say, like, this kid can sustain for seven matches. Physically, he's shown that he has a lot of trouble winning multiple matches in a row. You just glossed right over my RBA <laughs> stats. <laughs> I was trying to move on oh, past okay. Nick. Okay. Okay. So the last quarter. Felix is the number six seed. He has the bad luck to start play against Maxime Chrissy. Probably one of the toughest opening matches on the men's side. Yeah. Yeah, Cressy, who just lost to Taylor Fritz in the final of Eastbourne. Yeah. Jack Shu qualified for this tournament. Oh, wow. I I looked right past him in the draw. He Shu could play Felix in the second round. Yeah. Dan Evans would be the third round opponent for Felix. In that next little section, you've got Rune uh, and Fritz and Musetti. Fritz, you mentioned, just won Eastbourne. The previous week, he had a pretty bad loss to Jack Draper. And then coming into Eastbourne, he didn't get broken a single time all week. He made it through the final, this three-set final, without even facing a breakpoint. Marin Cilic is also here. French Open semifinalist. Resurgent Marin Cilic. That could be trouble for a fourth round against Nadal. That might, That's not going to be cute. <laughs> Nadal opens against Sarundolo in the first round. Second round, should Sam Querrey get by Barankis, then he'll play Nadal. Nadal in the third round, Sonago. Alexei Paprin, maybe. Hugo Gaston. Before... Yeah, I mean, Denis Kudla is not to be underestimated there. Like, he could easily take out Sonago in the first round. By seed, it's Chilich Nadal in the fourth round, and then Felix Nadal in the quarterfinals. I have no confidence that any of these things will play out. Yeah, again, like, we've seen Rafa play in the exhibition leading up. He lost to Felix, winning one set. He beat Stan in a, in a like, one-set practice match. Oh, okay. I don't think he puts much stock in these things. What he's trying to do no, at this no. point is get his feet ready on grass, get acclimated to the surface again, work on different tactics that he'll have to deploy work on his net game. Mm -hmm. 
It's a different style of tennis for Nadal at this tournament. And if healthy, I think he trusts that he can get his game tactically to a place where he can beat most of these guys, provided they're not big serve bots. Right, right. And I mean, a few weeks ago, the question was, "Am I, I'm not going to block the nerves in my foot again. I'm not doing these injections again. So if this treatment doesn't work, we're not playing. Mm-hmm. And so him being here is just a little bit of a bonus. But the fact that he's able to actually give a real try to the calendar year Grand Slam is just, I mean, it's kind of impossible to believe. It's the first time he's arrived at Wimbledon with this being a possibility in his entire career. Right. So by seed, the bottom half is Bertini against Tsitsipas in the quarterfinals and Felix against Rafa in the quarterfinals. Should those happen, those would be good matches, presumably. Who's missing on the men's side? Well, there's a, a, some very high-profile people missing. Daniel Medvedev, who is the number one player in the world. Who's been playing pretty is well he, on grass. Is he number one now? He is number okay, one. Okay, so those rankings turned over. Yes. That guy, uh, AZ, is out with an injury, obviously. But that's another hole at the, at the top of the men's game. Rublev, unable to play because of the ban. So too Karen Hachanov. Gal Mofis, injured, said he was trying to see if he could physically make it back for Wimbledon, unable to. Karatsev, Ivashka, Lloyd Harris, who just had surgery, he's out. And that's it from the top 50, really. Mm. Medvedev, you know, that first week, knowing that the Russian players would not be playing Wimbledon, Alexandrova wins the tournament. Medvedev makes two straight finals on grass. They, the players who were banned seem to be really showing out that first week or so. And we should also mention, we kind of, we blew through him in the draw, but Tim van Rijthoven from the Netherlands oh, yes. had never had an ATP win, goes to Sertogenbosch, beats Ebden, Fritz, Gaston, Felix, and Medvedev to knock off his first five ATP wins and his first title at home in the Netherlands. And he's in uh, in the first quarter and could play uh, Opelka in the second round. Uh, but there were a few like unexpected breakout players over the past few weeks. You don't have a lot of time to break out mm. on grass. Ryan right? Peniston had a few good results. He had never won an ATP match before. He reaches two grass challenger quarterfinals, the Queen's quarterfinals, and then beats Mr. Holger in Eastbourne. Yes, and I don't think we should look past the challengers on grass because it is such a short season. Jordan Thompson won Surbiton, which had a great draw, beating Dennis Kudla, which again is why I think Dennis Kudla is a threat to beat Sonigo in the first round. Van Eitvank won the ITF in Surbiton. Dan Evans won the Nottingham Challenger, beating, again, Thompson in the final. Point taken. I'm ready to put a wrap <laughs> on these proceedings. Yes, yes. My name is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at tennis underscore John. And I'm James at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. You can find everything BodyServe related at linktree.com slash thebodyserve. We've added a link on that link tree. I guess you call it, we added a tree? A branch? I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a separate link tree and it's a list of all of the... Yeah, but it's linked on the original BodyServe link tree. Oh, okay, okay. 
It's just a, a place where you can find all of the tennis history episodes that we've ever done. So the the ones that aren't about like the week-to-week tour, ones that are a little bit more long form. And the reason why we did this was because, what did we just do? We just released last week, or this week, an episode on Ted Tinling, who was the designer of women's tennis for many years, was also a historian, a chair umpire, a player, Suzanne Longlens bestie at one point. <laughs> right. Uh, just one of the most interesting personalities of 20th century tennis. So definitely go check that out. And somebody who is quite central to Wimbledon's history as well and had a very, uh, let's say, tortured relationship with the tournament. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoyed that episode or if you've listened to our history episodes before and you know, find it kind of tedious to go and search for them again, you just have to go to linktree.com slash thebodyserve and there'll be a link right there with just the Tennis History episodes. Shout out to Dalbert for that suggestion. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much.